to those around you. Hello, people on the stream. Thanks for joining us this morning. We're excited you're here. Especially older songs like this hymn, we might encounter words that we probably don't use in everyday speech. I mean, anybody use a Ebenezer in their daily life recently? No? Maybe around Christmas time we heard at the first service. This is not the same as Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> in Ebenezer, in this case, we find this with Samuel, and he was he was delivered out of the hands of an enemy and so he built an altar and he called that altar his Ebenezer because it represented that God had brought him through it and so he, it says the words to this hymn say here I raise mine Ebenezer hither by thine great help I'm come this is a reminder to us to say God we are so thankful that you have brought us this far and we know that you will be faithful to walk with us moving forward as we sing this song, I invite you to, to sing it with some new eyes and praise God for bringing us to where we are now and where we're still to come. 
Let's sing this together. Good morning. Welcome to our 11 o'clock contemporary service. I'm Pastor Jill. So glad to see all of you this morning, especially because it's Noblesville spring break, right? So you're all, you all are here. So thank you. Glad you're worshiping with us as well as those online this morning. Want to make sure you know about a lot of things happening here at Noblesville First. This is the season of Lent, so we have a lot going on as we always do. First of all, we have our first Friday luncheon coming up this coming Friday, April the 1st. We need your reservation by, oh, we got some excitement back there. Your reservation's needed by uh, tomorrow, I believe, so make sure, yes, tomorrow. Make sure that you sign up online or call our office and let us know you'd like to be on that list. It'll be $13, um, chicken and noodles, and delicious side items, so look forward to that. 
And of course, if you're out and about shopping, we still need snacks for the White River Elementary snack drive. They do have a list of things they would like, so make sure to check that out on our website as well. And of course, we are continuing our series for Lent on the Lord's Prayer, and we have copies of the children's book, The Most Important Prayer of All. These are free copies. If you have a young person in your life that you'd like to share that with, getting my son into it these days, make sure to grab a copy on your way out this morning, or a few if you'd like. And of course, please let us know of your attendance today, and uh, our online giving is also online. The Next Steps graphic will help you out on our website with all that information. And of course, if you are visiting with us for the first time today, we have a visitor bag for you. And uh, Pam, she's here this morning back there. She'd be glad to uh, officially welcome you and answer any questions you might have for us. And now we have our stewardship video this morning, which will feature, uh, feature our youth group. Let's take a look. Hi. I'm David McKenzie, the Student Ministry Director here at Noblesville First United Methodist. Back in January, we were blessed to relaunch our weekly youth group programming on Sunday nights in Divine from 6 to 8 p.m. If you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, here's a little info on what's been going on Sunday nights in Divine. Each week we've had a blast just playing games, meeting together for fun and fellowship with Christ-centered lessons. Recently, we got to finish our first student study series that discussed how a group of high schoolers at Woodlawn High School spurred a Christ-centered revival that brought about racial reconciliation to a community divided to its core in the early 1970s. During that lesson, we discussed lessons on forgiveness, mentorship, taking risks, and using our platform to reflect Christ's love toward others. But that's not all we've been doing. In February, we also got to meet up at Gainbridge Fieldhouse to watch the Indiana Pacers on Faith and Fellowship Night. We met Christian recording artist Jonathan McReynolds. We also got to enjoy time together at Katiwi Adventures, where we went snow tubing, just speeding down those icy slopes hanging on to one another. It was an absolute joy. This month, we'll be continuing our outings with events planned for Top Golf and other fun spots around the community. It's such a blessing to be able to grow together as a youth group and provide a safe space for the students in our community to come together. Our series this month is titled Prism, and it's going to discuss the things Jesus wants us to know and never forget. So check out this video for a preview of that series. And if you have any questions, send me an email at dmckenzie, that's d-m-c-k-e-n-z-i-e at noblesvillefirst.com. Or you can call me directly on my cell at 317-656-0320. God bless. Hey leaders, I'm Jean. Have you ever looked at a prism? Okay, so it's not like we all geek out about these kinds of things, but I do. They're awesome. If the light hits them just right, a whole world of color is revealed. Who knew that there's more to light than what typically meets the eye? Well, you know this. The same thing is true when it comes to Jesus. As we head towards celebrating Easter, we're gonna talk about this Jewish carpenter who turned the world upside down. Over the last 2000 years, our ideas of Jesus have been shaped by culture, art, and even family history. But there is so much more to him than what meets the eye. Jesus changed everything. And in the series, we'll find that the good news of Jesus might be bigger, bolder, and better than we ever imagined. Plus, we'll find a new way of engaging Jesus in the things he doesn't want any of us to forget. 
If you wondered why it looked like David was in a hotel room, it's because he is. He's at Disney World, and he took time out of his vacation to get that into us. So I know they're having a, a great time, and he's doing great things with our youth group. We also just finished our confirmation journey last Sunday. We confirmed six of our confirmands. Uh, David and I had a wonderful time with each of these students and youth. They also, on their uh, retreat, wrote a creed. So they took a few, well, a while <laughs> to sit down and write out kind of what they believed using some of our historic creeds as well as a little bit of guidance from us. And they came up with a confirmation class creed. Now they told me that they were a little intimidated that you all would be saying it in each of our worship services today. So we're going to say it in just a moment, and then I think we're going to say it on Easter as well. So let us lift up the words of our youth and our faith together as we say our confirmation class creed. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God, creator of heaven and earth, loving shepherd, the almighty, author of life. We believe in Jesus, the Messiah, savior of the world, our teacher, example, and redeemer, born of the Virgin Mary, died for our sins, and forgives our sins. He rose from the dead, conquered death, and ascended into heaven to sit on the right hand of God. We believe in the Holy Spirit, who lights our souls on fire, gives us guidance, and is our counselor. The Spirit teaches us about the nature of God and helps us become more like God. We believe in the United Methodist Church, one baptism, one faith, one Lord. We believe that the church guides our faith. It is a place for healing and where we experience God. The church is a home for our hearts. It is where we are sent forth to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We believe that God will forgive us of our sins. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise of eternal life to all who believe in salvation through grace. Amen. Not bad, right? Amazing, amazing. Now let's check out our scripture video for this week featuring another one of our children reciting the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom Come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom in the power and glory forever. Amen. Amen. Several years ago, I entrusted a friend and neighbor to take care of our dog and our house while we went on vacation. When I returned, however, I found the front door open. I walked in and found that a lot of my stuff had been rummaged through. So I, all my drawers have been run, gone through and 
clothes put back in odd places. I even found a few pieces of clothing and handbags and jewelry that had gone missing. So when I confronted her about it, she finally, finally told me that she had been on drugs and apologized and that she would return the items back to me if she could. But of course, the damage had been done. There was an overwhelming sense of betrayal, of feeling violated, and it would be hard to trust anyone with this kind of responsibility for a little while. But over time, I realized that I had been holding on to this, this anger and bitterness over the situation. I was so extremely disappointed in my friend, but also realized that she had been fighting her own battles with this drug addiction for a long time that I was just becoming aware of. When I reached out to her, we were able to connect some, but our friendship was never really the same. Even so, when I found that I was able to forgive her, I felt that a weight had been lifted from my life, and also that a lesson had been learned by both of us. And also, as a mom, I know many of you as parents in here can definitely relate, I deal with anger and forgiveness a lot, a lot, and it's not always easy. I often need reminders for myself to take deep breaths. Sometimes I need to put myself in time out. <laughs> Sometimes I need to understand, for example, why on earth my son would take his little foot and grind red jello into the carpet, right? Uh, so <laughs> we have this sign in our home, which I look at quite often. It says this, in this home, we do second chances. We do grace. We do real. We do mistakes. We do I'm sorry's. We do loud really well. We do hugs. We do family. And we do love. Throughout our lives, we will all find ourselves in situations and opportunities that call for forgiveness. Without forgiveness in our lives, no intimate relationship can survive, no friendship will work, and humanity is then condemned to bitterness and anger, resentment and hate. As human beings, we cannot sustain long-term relationships without forgiveness and the willingness to let go. In fact, researchers have linked unforgiveness to higher stress, poor mental health, and cardiac disease. So this simple line of our beloved Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, is not only central to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is central to each of our lives. For me, this line of the prayer, forgive us, our trespasses, or some translations will say sins, others debtors, and each phrase carries a little bit of a different meaning. But forgive us our sins or trespasses as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. For me, it's probably the most difficult part of the prayer. It's a tricky and clever sentence. In one swoop, we are reminded that we have sinned against others and against God. So we need forgiveness. It also reminds us that other people have sinned against us or done wrong to us, and they need forgiveness. This prayer reminds us that our God is a forgiving God. Therefore, we need forgiving. 
and we need to be forgiving. In this line of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us that forgiveness, not anger, bitterness, and retribution are what the kingdom of God looks like. Let's take a look at a group of people who live into this kingdom value. I bet many of us can relate to one or two of those items, those stories, right? So when we pray this line of the Lord's Prayer, we can't pray these words without really examining each of our own lives. Jesus challenges his disciples in Luke's Gospel to be merciful just as God is merciful. Not that we just see the theme of mercy, but we practice it, we live it. And we see it throughout our scriptures from beginning and end of God's mercy. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us is a call to mercy. Forgiveness then is not optional. It's the foundation of a healthy relationship with God and with other people. To love mercy is to be like God and to love others as God loves them. Mercy is hard. Judgment is easy. Just the other day, for example, someone cut me off on the interstate. Mm-hmm. I started having revenge fantasies. You know what I'm talking about, right? Man, wouldn't it be great if that person a few miles up the road was pulled over for speeding, right? See ya. But no, no. What if instead of revenge fantasies, we make it a practice to have reconciliation or forgiveness fantasies. 
If someone cuts me off in traffic, I might imagine what would happen if a few blocks up I saw that person on the side of the road with a flat tire. What if I offered to help them? <laughs> what if in that process I discovered that they're really having a bad week and I talked to them and offered to pray with them? We might shake hands as I pull away. Now these thoughts might sound silly or actually they might sound really difficult, yeah? But maybe they could prepare us for the times when we are faced with even greater challenges of mercy. Take Bud Welch, for example. He's a man whose daughter, Julie, was killed in the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. We're going to take a look at his story. Is the act forgivable? Actually, the act is not forgivable. But to forgive the perpetrator, the person that did the act, I think that's possible. I know it's possible for me. My 23-year-old daughter, Julie, was killed in the bombing. And we've all got to learn ourselves before we can judge someone After Tim McVeigh and Terry Nichols had been arrested and charged, I frankly didn't even want trials for either one of them. I, did, I simply wanted them fried. That was, that was the vengeance and the hate that I was living with. When I close my Texaco station at night and go home, the first thing I'd do is make a drink. And if I drank enough, when I went to bed, I could go to sleep. It was the next day that I was paying for it. And this, this self-medication just kept escalating. One thing that I remembered uh, that I had suppressed, hadn't thought of for almost a year, was seeing Bill McVeigh, Tim's father, on television. And he had a deep pain in his eye that I recognized immediately because I was living that same pain. I was going to need to go tell that man that I truly cared how he felt and didn't blame him or his family for what his son had done. When I knocked on his door, after I introduced myself, the first thing I said to him is, Bill, I understand you have a nice garden in your backyard. Well, this big guy's face lit up like he'd thrown a spotlight on me and didn't seem the least bit shy to me at all. And he said, yeah, would you like to see it? I said, I'd love to. Bill had asked me, he said, he said, Bud, can you cry? And I thought, why is he asking this question? And I said, well, yeah, Bill, I can, and uh, usually quite easily. And he said, all of my adult life, I've been unable to cry. And he said, I've had a lot to cry about the last three and a half years, and I just can't do it. Well, after this long silence ended at the kitchen table, Bill looked up at the wall and just very simply said, that's Tim's high school graduation picture. And when he said it, this great big tear rolled out of his right eye. I was able to feel in my heart that I had forgiven Tim McVeigh. When I was able to do that, I didn't release Tim McVeigh, I released myself. Upon meeting Timothy McVeigh's father, Bud says that he was overwhelmed with forgiveness and mercy, rather unexpectedly. He said, I never felt closer to God than I did at that moment. People, of course, resented Bud for his forgiveness of Timothy McVeigh. His response to that was, they think they will get some kind of healing. There's nothing about killing that's going to help them. Revenge, of course, never solves anything. We derail the will of God and do harm to the establishment of God's kingdom, and we choose judgment over mercy and revenge over reconciliation. Of course, we see in our, our history, in our current situations, has shown us this again and again, that it's never the answer. 
Forgiveness is one of the keys to the kingdom that we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. The Greek word used in Lord's Prayer to, for forgive, forgive or forgiveness is aphimai. It means to let go, to release, or send away. So forgiveness is letting go, it's releasing, it's sending away the resentment or the right to exact revenge. We also pray for God to release us from God's right to hold our sin over us. We pray to be released from that guilt and shame that we might feel. I can never think about forgiveness without thinking about Eva Kaur. I've shared several stories about her with you over the past two years since I've been here. Of course, I went to Auschwitz with her in 2013, and she is a Mengele twin who survived the horrendous experiments from the angel of death, she and her twin sister. And they were released from Auschwitz in 1945 when they were 10 years old. Well, after her release, she spent most of her life after that filled with bitterness, extreme anger, and resentment when she finally realized that none of that was doing anyone any good. So she went to Germany to have tea with a Nazi doctor, Hans Munch, which I shared with you before, and she had a warm welcome and a good conversation with him after being terrified and losing sleep the night before. But she arrived back home in Terre Haute, Indiana, and found herself wandering around a Hallmark store in search of a thank you card. She wandered around for over an hour before someone finally came up and said, can I help you with something? She said, well, what kind of card do you think I should get to say thank you to a Nazi doctor <laughs> who was part of Auschwitz. Of course, the person was left speechless. And it was then that she realized that that word should not come from a card, but should come from her own heart, her own life. They needed to be her own. So they, she then penned a letter of forgiveness that changed her life as she knew it and the lives of people around the world were affected by horrendous acts of violence. Anger is a seed for war, she wrote, and forgiveness is a seed for peace. Eva's mission became one of tikkun olam. It's a Hebrew phrase that means healing or repairing the world. Forgiveness is just one of those ways that we can be about healing and repairing our world. Forgiveness is both a choice and a process. It does not exclude or excuse or forget the actions of someone who has wronged us. And it does not say that whatever happened didn't matter. It's also sometimes about setting a healthy boundary in place if that's what needs to happen. Forgiveness is about releasing our resentment and freeing ourselves to live gracious and abundant lives. Sometimes the person that we have the hardest time forgiving is ourself. As a pastor, I have heard countless stories of people who have done something that they believe to be unforgivable. The pain that they feel toward whatever it is they believe they have committed is often unbearable. A war veteran who had to make an unimaginable choice between life and death in a combat zone. An addict who sacrificed the well-being of her family in order to feed her addiction. A person who said or did horrendous things 
while having too much to drink. A person who committed a crime and now sits on death row. For all of these and so much more, there are opportunities for forgiveness of yourself. The very fact that Jesus helps us to pray for forgiveness reveals two things. First, that we all sin and we all need forgiveness. And second, that God is willing to forgive us. We also, of course, cannot forget about that repentance thing, that we acknowledge the wrong, that we express the remorse that we feel. It's about committing to doing the best we can not to repeat patterns or behaviors that might lead us to wrongdoing to ourselves or someone else. But when we forgive ourselves and act on promises for a better future, we remove ourselves from the prisons that we create. We are free to live our lives and be the beloved children of God that we are to be. Author James Mulholland in his book on the Lord's Prayer reminds us of this. We err when we understand forgiveness as our gift. Grace never begins in us. It is always a response to the one who has delivered us from the evil of this world, and more important, from the evil within ourselves. So this morning I ask you, for what do you need to be forgiven? Or whom do you need to forgive? As you reflect upon these questions, may the unrelenting grace and mercy of God wash over each of us. And may we leave this place feeling just a bit lighter than when we entered. May it be so. Amen. As we turn to our time of prayer, I'd like to lift up a few names and people that you might lift up today in our time. First of all, many of you know Warren Otter, who is recovering from a fall and a hip surgery, so we lift him up today. We lift up Russ Clinton, who's in Community North with leukemia and pneumonia. We lift up the family of Liz Saylor, who passed away on March 23rd, and to Edna Brinker, whose husband Thomas Brinker died on February the 7th. We are just made aware of that. We also have a joy to lift up that Pastor Jerry has a new grandchild. He's up in the media booth today. Give me a thumbs up. Lindley, he has pictures if you'd like to see. You'll have to come down and show us after. Lindley Parker Meredith, born at 828 a.m., Saturday the 26th. And she's 6 pounds, 8 ounces, 19 three-fourths inches long. So congratulations to Jerry and family on Lindley. Yeah, give him a hand. <laughs> so in this moment, moment, I invite you to pray quietly by yourself. Lift up these persons or lift up anything that's on your heart today. Then we'll say a prayer together and then we'll lift up the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray.
holy and forgiving God. We thank you that you are loving, compassionate, and forgiving, showing us mercy. We thank you for the message this morning that we can be forgiven as well as find the courage to forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, whatever we are holding on to today, may we have the courage to release, to let go, and to be filled instead with that peace that passes all understanding, that we can go forth to live our lives free to be your children, free to live with joy and hope. Lord, we know that we are holding on to so much. Perhaps we are filled with anger towards someone or anger toward ourselves. But send your spirit, forgiving God, and remind us that life is so much more and that we are called to joyful mercy through you. And Lord, today we are filled with a lot of prayers and thoughts as we enter into a new week. We lift up those who are recovering from surgeries or facing health problems. We pray for those who are hospitalized. We especially pray for Warren and Russ. Lord, we pray for those who are grieving the loss of a loved one, for the Sailor family, for the Brinker family, for those that we hold close to our hearts who are grieving today. Lord, we pray for all who are traveling, we pray for our community. We pray for our nation and our world, especially those countries overrun by war and terror. For those places and people that we cannot even begin to fathom what they are struggling with. Give us hearts of compassion and peace to live as you would call us to live. And we thank you for the words of the Lord's Prayer that we are reflecting upon this Lenten season. So as we say them this morning, may our hearts be open to new meanings, new takeaways, and new things we might do in the coming weeks to live further and further into your kingdom and what you would have it to be. So we lift up these words that Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power in the glory forever. Amen. There's nothing wrong. 
As you approach the table, I invite you to approach free, free from the sin that you think has been binding you, free from the evil that you think has a hold of you, free from the guilt, the shame, and anything else that you've been telling yourself keeps you from being a true child of God. Free to go out of this place filled with God's love, ready to do the will of the one who created you. Here in the Methodist Church, we believe in an open table, which means you don't have to be a member of this church or any church to share with us in communion. The only thing we ask is that you desire a deeper relationship with God. So here in a moment, we're going to invite you to come forward. The basket on the right, if you filled out an action card to let us know you're here or to help, let us help you get involved with the ministries here at Noblesville First, we'd love for you to drop that in there. If you brought an offering this morning and you'd like to give it as an act of worship, you can bring that up and put it in the basket as well. The basket here on the left contains communion cups, little cups that have got a wafer on the top and a cup of juice represent the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We invite you to take one, and you can take it back to your seat if you'd like. You can kneel here at the bench, light a candle, say a prayer, whatever it is that draws you into worship with God today. And I don't want you to think that you should only approach if you've been feeling like something's been weighing you down. I know a lot of times in these moments we talk about the people who feel like sin has been holding them back and some of you might be sitting there saying no i i love god and i know the freedom that i have that's amazing come in that freedom 
and share together in this table. But even though, even those who come free and knowing the love of God, we invite you to leave different than you came, refreshed, renewed, and refilled with the love of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. As we remember, we remember the night that Jesus was killed. He was eating with his friends. And during the meal, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his friends and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. And then after supper, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he gave it to his friends and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time that we can come and remember. Remember that in one of the most heinous acts that existed in Jesus' day, crucifixion, you created something that shouldn't ever have been allowed, <laughs> that you created life and forgiveness and hope out of death. God, help us today to be renewed, to remember the forgiveness of your son, to remember that the darkest of things, you have a way of working to your good. God, we thank you this morning that there is nothing we can do that would ever separate us from your love. And we ask that we would leave different than we came. And God, we ask as we do each week that you make these gifts of food and drink for us to be the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The table is open, friends.
to stand and join us as we close out worship today.
Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We now invite you to go in the peace and the knowledge that you are forgiven. And that forgiveness can now be spread to the world. Go in peace.